I will praise the name of God with a song, and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Let them shout for joy and be glad, who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. When you're doing a retreat called Magnified, Colorado is not a bad place to do it in, right? How many of you guys, is this like your first time on a retreat here with us? Yeah, a few of you. I would imagine that if we were doing this retreat in like Kansas, it would be a little bit harder to do your quiet time to go out and stand in awe. Sorry if you're from Kansas. But Colorado is not a bad place to be. I'm Adam, by the way. If you guys don't know who I am, I haven't gotten a chance to meet you. I'm one of the pastors for New Life Friday night, and I'm involved in Sunday school as much as I can be. Um, so, so yeah, I was just thinking yesterday as my wife and I were driving up, we, Colorado Springs was really cloudy and dreary yesterday. When we got to Woodland Park, the clouds cleared, and there was a school sunset. I don't know if you guys saw it on YouTube, uh, but it was just beautiful. And I was like, man, what a great spot to be, to go to a tree called Magnified. It's just so beautiful. You look around and you think that God is glorified everywhere in Colorado. You know, every turn you see the beauty of God's nature. It's just amazing to me. A few weeks ago, I was out on a snowboarding trip, and if you guys are skiers or snowboarders, you know like, when you're on a mountain, there's just something about looking around. You see like, all the other peaks around you. You can usually see other ski resorts. And it's just gorgeous, especially if the weather's good. It was, this was two Mondays ago. The weather was basically perfect. It's clear skies. We're at, we're at Keystone, which if you've been to Keystone, it's, it's gorgeous. There's a lake below you on the other side of the resort village. There's powders of snow everywhere covering all these awesome pine trees. And then there's just these huge mountain peaks. It's one of those days, I was with three other friends, and it's one of those days where if you don't have anything else to talk about, in a little bit, someone is going to say, man, isn't it just so gorgeous here? You know, it's like one of those days, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, where the, the conversation just keeps going back to it. It's so beautiful. And so we, we spent the morning, you know, skiing, having a great time, and we kept noticing, like, man, this is such a beautiful day. It's so gorgeous here. It's so, so beautiful. What a great place to be. But then, a little bit after lunch, I had one of the strangest experiences of my life. And that's that... I woke up, and I, wait, what are you talking about? I woke up to what seemed like a dream, because I couldn't really make out what I was seeing. Uh, everything was blurry, everything was cloudy. It was like I was, like, you know in the movies when they're trying to show a dream scene, they make everything blurry? Well, that's what I felt like. I felt like in the middle of my day, I woke up to a dream. And what was in this dream is that there was these four faces looking at me, I didn't recognize any of them because they had helmets on and goggles. And what I found out pretty quickly is that this wasn't a dream. That what happened to cause me to wake up is that I had knocked myself out. Um, if you guys have ever done that, it's a really strange experience. And for me, it was a really strange experience. You get knocked out, and I woke up thinking, like, I was just awake. What happened? What? Why am I on the ground? Why are there four faces looking at me? Uh, can someone tell me what happened? And so it was one of those things where I knew something wasn't right, but I didn't know what it was. 
one thing stood out to me, and that was this voice that I was hearing. There was something familiar about it. There was immediately it was like, oh, I know that voice. I know that that's my friend Scott, and I couldn't really pick out which one of the voices or which which one of the faces his voice was coming from. Everything was just his, but that familiarity was was there, and it immediately stuck out to me. So I was, was like, okay, this is a really strange experience, but there's something comforting about knowing that there's something familiar. That although I don't know what's going on, I haven't figured out the details yet. There's familiarity. So soon enough, I, I learned that two of the faces uh, belonged to ski patrol, and they were there to help me get off the mountain. Um, and then the third belonged to my friend Scott. And as my vision clear, I was able to pick it out. And things still were, were uh, really blurry, but they told me, you know, you had a pretty hard fall, and you broke your fall with your head. <laughs> you guys aren't skiers or and you're getting into it, that's not a good idea. Um, I didn't put my hands out, I didn't have time to. I still don't remember what happened, but I've been able to watch out the video. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, but just so you know, don't break your fall with your head if you're ever in that situation. Um, but the, the interesting thing about this fall is I've been snowboarding for several years and I've had lots of falls, you know, like when, if, you, if you snowboarded. Of course, you know that part of learning how to do it is you fall a lot. Uh, I tell people that they're, when they say, I want to learn how to snowboard, I say, okay, the first two or three times you have to go be prepared that you're going to be in pain. You're just going to fall. It's the nature of it. And I've you know, like, taken really hard spills before, and there's just something about when you've paid for a lift ticket, and maybe you're a little bit stubborn, that when you fall and you're really hurt, you're just like, I'm going to get back up. I've paid for this lift ticket, or we drove two hours, I'm going to get up and just keep going. Whether it's going to cause me pain, whether I'm going to be sore in the next three days, I'm going to do it because that's just who I am. You know, I, 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 I'd say that I'm the type of person who will ask for help as kind of one of the last options in, in you know, uh, getting through a situation. So I've taken falls before, but what was interesting about last Monday is that I didn't have that option. You know, uh, but, I didn't have the option to choose to get up or not. Um, but in these, in these situations, when we find ourselves in situations, I think there's something interesting that happens. And that's uh, a lot of times you'll hear in the news or you'll hear these inspiring stories of people who were born into or found themselves in bad situations, hard situations, and they were able to kind of pull themselves out of it. They were able to kind of stand up out of wherever they found themselves. Some things, some that I think of, a lot of them are usually in sports. Like Kevin Durant last year got uh, nominated as the MVP of the, the NBA. And in his MVP speech, he talked about how his mom was a single mom, didn't really have the money or the time to really pour into her sons, but you know, she was always there for them. And then he got really into basketball and now is making lots of money and was able to buy her a house that she's never had. These, these really cool stories about people, you know, standing up out of the ashes, if you will, of, of a life, uh, making something out of nothing. And we hear these stories and kind of tuck them into our memories, whether that's consciously or subconsciously, and these, these memories just kind of sit there, I think, until we find ourselves in similar situations, until we find ourselves in crisis. And then those little stories kind of prod at us. And I, I, would, I would like to say that we don't always recognize it, um, but they kind of prod at us when we're in these situations and they tell us, Okay, remember, if you ask for help, if 
if you're not able to do this on your own, you're not strong. If you're not able to do this on your own, you might not be healthy. So if you ask for help, if you need a helping hand, if you can't do it on your own, then you're probably admitting to and embracing weakness. Uh, and I think that that's kind of a difficult thing for us to pick out, you know, when that happens to us. I don't know that we always notice them. But I know for me, that's kind of how I work. My, my default is, oh, I can do it by myself. If I have a choice to, I'll go to work. I don't need, I don't need other people's help. But again, last Monday I found myself in a situation where by the time I was able to consciously think about what was going to happen for the rest of my day, I had already fist bumped the same guy ten times and tried an Australian accent in my concussed head to the guy who was actually from Australia to where those ski patrol guys weren't going to let me stand back up if I wanted to. So by the time I realized what was happening, the ski patrol had been there, five minutes had passed, they had a sled sitting next to me, I wasn't getting back up on my feet and I didn't have a choice about it. And after I got through this whole experience, I was thinking back about what happened. And like I said, I've taken spills before and you had this thing. Okay, get up. If you get up and you hit the same jump again, or if you do the same run again, you won't be afraid to do it the next time you come. So last Monday, I didn't have that choice. It was just you're on your way to the hospital and you don't have an option. You're not even going to stand to your feet or put you on the sled uh, and do that for you. And in that moment, when I find myself on my back with a sled next to me and they're putting an injury on me, what I realized about my vision, what I realized about what was important to me, it wasn't the, the snow-capped mountains or the really beautiful lake at the bottom of the hill or the pine trees that are covered in powdered snow. What was important to me was that these faces were huge. You know, they're, they're right in front of me, that I have a familiar, a familiar face, face and voice and my friend Scott who's there. And from the very get-go of what I can remember, he just kept mind, uh, everything's going to be all right. We're going to take care of you. You're going to have what you need. Scott was telling me, I'm going to call Morgan, who's my wife. She'll, she'll be here if she needs to be, but we're going to take care of you. And so for me, the, the magnificence of God's creation, the, the grandeur of it all, it was still there. It was still all around me. But the magnificent part about God's creation right there were those four people who were right in my face, less than three feet away from me, and who weren't going to leave when I needed them. And so, I think that's, that is what's so important about when we come here and we say that we're going to magnify God. We're going to, we're going to talk about, like Joe, Joe said he talked about yesterday, these huge stars that you can fit, like thousand planets into, you know, when we think about the universe, when we think about even Pike's Peak or Garden of the Gods, we think, how is it that those were created, those were thought of, they were, they were breathed into existence by words, we think, if that's possible, then God is huge. But what I learned last Monday is that while all that is true, God's not content with us just magnifying Him in that way uh, and saying, you're great, you're awesome, you're huge. He made these huge planets, he made this universe. He, that's great, but he's not content with that if it's disconnected from the intimate, personal, face-to-face relationship that we have. He, he desires that from us so much. You know, there's, there's this idea in theology, uh, which is the study of God. It's 
called deism. You guys know what deism is? Deism is basically, I mean, there's more facets to it, but it's basically this idea that this huge God created everything, uh, created Pikes Peak, formed the Garden of the Gods, formed the trees around us, did all this for us that we marvel at, and then just said, we'll leave it there, and has since become disinterested and uninvolved with our little puny lives. Um, and I, I like to think that deism is just as much an attack upon God's character as atheism. You know what I mean? So deism, to say that God is disinterested and disinvolved with our lives, I think is just as bad as saying that God doesn't exist. Because he, he, doesn't, he doesn't care to have us keeping him at arm's length saying, hey, what you've built, what you've made for us, what you've done for us, is all really cool, but I've got my own thing going on, and I, I can do this on my own. He's not that interested in us living lives like that. Um, you know, there's other world religions like Buddhism believes in this big, huge God that's up there, and the way to get to God is by stringing together enough good events in your life, uh, good decisions, good actions, that you can get on His level and, and have unity with Him. They call it Nirvana. You, you get to this point of Nirvana that means that you've done enough good that you've kind of elevated yourself, and now you can join into that godness. Um, but our God, what we believe about him is that he is a big God who created everything. And then, when he sees that we're in a situation where we can't pull ourselves out of it, like I found myself in on Monday, he comes to our level, and he gets in our faces, and he, he does for us what we could do for ourselves. Uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, In your relationship with one another, which is an important thing, I think, is to remember that little phrase. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So that's this uniqueness and the essence of our gospel story, the gospel, the story that we have of salvation from God is that it wasn't us getting on his level, it was him, him coming down to our level. It was him meeting us where we were at, coming face to face with us, and doing what we couldn't do for ourselves. And sometimes I think We'll get, I'll get into a conversation with someone about the sovereignty of God. Have you guys ever had someone ask you the question, could God ever build a rock, or create a rock that's so big that he couldn't lift it? It's like a circular thought process of like, well, he's so powerful that he could lift anything. Well, can he create something that he can't lift? So you get into these conversations, and sometimes I think, well, that's those are like kind of funny conversations to have, questions to ask, but could God have gone about uh, salvation for us in a different way. Couldn't he have basically just kind of hit a reset button and our sins would be washed away and we could kind of go back to the way it was supposed to be, the way that he originally intended? And then I think that what's missing from that idea, what's missing from that course of action is that there's no proximity involved in that. There's no face-to-face nature in that. So that's, I think, why God didn't do that. He came because he wanted to have intimacy with us. He wanted to have a relationship. So he took humanness. He took uh, our nature on himself, and he did it for us. So 
when we think about Psalm, this is like Psalm 8 in, in a nutshell. It says, Daniel referenced it last night, it says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You set your glory in the heavens, and, and, and what we can see in the sky, you, it's all glorious. Through the praise of your children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies. To silence the foe and the avenger. Then when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of? Human beings if you care for them. You know? This is a this is something that I think brings me back all the time. Brings me back into this sense of awe is that yeah, he created Pike's Peak and then he wants to be face to face with all of us. He wants to have an intimate relationship with all of us. So we come out here this weekend and we talk about magnifying God, and I think it's so important that we do that in the ways where we, we go outside and we look at the mountains and we look at the, the stars, we look at the moon and the sky, and we say, God, you're so huge. But in the midst of that, I think it's always good to have a reminder that he's so huge and he's so present with us. Romans 12, or, sorry, 12.1 in the message says, uh, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. So when we magnify God, when we magnify God, the best thing that we can do is embracing what He does for us. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture, to the mindsets, to the, the ways that our culture teaches us to think and live. Don't become so well-adjusted to those that you fit in without even thinking about it. Instead, fix your attention on God. He'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity, God brings the best out of you, develop, develops well-formed maturity in you. And it says, I'm speaking to you out of, great, out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me. And especially as I have responsibilities, this is Paul talking, especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you, living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is, by what He does for us, not by what we are and what we do for Him. So it's important, again, to remember that as we magnify God, like Daniel said last night, it's not changing who he is. By us saying that he's huge, it doesn't make him bigger. It's just us acknowledging who he is and what he does for us. I think in doing this, we live our lives in a way that magnifies God in the minutia, in the details, in the little decisions that we have to make throughout our day, the little things when we have to go to the store, we have to walk down an aisle to pick up cereal or milk or whatever it is. To magnify God in those little things, will create in us a way of living that magnifies God in the big things. John 10, 27 says that uh, my sheep, this is Jesus talking, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I, I think about, when you think about sheep, you think about they, they can pick out their shepherd's voice. But I was thinking about the fact that the voice, the shepherd's voice is most important in times of crisis for the sheep. When the sheep's lost or when the sheep is in danger, but that familiarity isn't developed over times of emergency or times of crisis. 
you know, the, the sheep hopefully doesn't get itself into enough trouble that it only hears the shepherd's voice when it's in trouble. But it's the fact that there, the, there's a relationship there. The shepherd and the sheep spend so much time together, and the shepherd speaks and the sheep listen. So that when crisis comes, when we're faced with getting knocked out instead of worrying about when we're faced with uh, sickness or death or disease or whatever it is, we can hear our shepherd's voice and it can bring comfort and it can bring peace. Um, so when everything in life is going great, your kids are healthy, your, your marriage is going great, whatever it is, school seems easy, bills are paid, then we need to cultivate and practice living in a way that invites God into the evolution of our lives. Uh, so that, so that when these circumstances come, which we hope that they won't, but for I'd uh, say it's probably good to know that for all of us, it's going to come in one way or another. We're going to have these moments of crisis where, uh, where your vision of recognizing God in the, the huge, grand, uh, the, the magnificent, that vision is kind of short, you know. And, and so. I think when we have, like for me, when I was in this crisis moment, I was still on the same mountain, I was still surrounded by the same trees. If I, if I had stood up and looked down the hill, I still could see that really gorgeous lake at the bottom of the mountain. But in my crisis, I wasn't focused on any of it. After, after I woke up from being unconscious, there was nothing, there was nothing, nothing in my memory of the rest of the day that had to do with that. All of us, as my friend is here, ski patrol is here. There's this guy who I later learned, his name was Bill. He didn't know who I was. He had come past me while I was unconscious and spent the next 40 minutes of his day and didn't leave my side until I was in a sled going down the hill. I don't know Bill. He, he knew from the get-go that I couldn't have returned anything. I couldn't return the favor uh, for him, but he stayed there. You know? So those, those types of things in that moment was, is what was important to me. It was the fact that someone was right there so when we continue to live lives of wonder and the minutia of our lives, when we practice magnifying God and the, and the, and the creation and all the big things that God is and does, uh, as well as the small things, then when we get blindsided by circumstance, it's going to be really easy to say, God is still here, He's still personal, and He's still present uh, in the midst of it. So here's what I'm going to challenge you guys to do out of this week as we kind of wrap up the weekend. The first thing is to invite God into the smallness of our lives, to invite Him into the details of our lives. Because it's just as important as recognizing that He's out there, and He's big, and He's huge. Uh, cultivate a routine of recognizing that this magnificent God who created all of this and has done such great things wants us to know His voice. He wants us to, to recognize His voice in the midst of all the other voices that are calling out to us. And the second thing is to cultivate relationships that reflect this type of intimacy that we have with God. Because when we can cultivate it with our friends, when we can cultivate vulnerability and intimacy with our friends, then it's a great training ground for how to do it with God. You know, we can learn about either relationship by practicing it the other. Does that make sense? You know, so when we do this with God, we're learning about relationships with others. And when we practice intimacy and vulnerability with others, we learn about doing it with God. And so, the best way that I know how to do this, uh, especially cultivating intimacy with God and remembering what He's done for us, is communion. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to uh, take communion. And for, there's, we're going to get some things set up here. For those of you who, 
who come to New Life or come to Sunday school and then go to the main service right after, come to Friday nights, or even downtown, you know the community, the community is a big part of what we do here. It's because um, communion is this constant reminder that God came down, He took on flesh, and then was broken, died, was buried, and rose again for us, for our sins. And one routine that you'll you'll know is that like we're gonna have servers up here who are gonna give you community. Unless you go to the downtown campus, which is where I'm borrowing this little facet of community today from, uh, you won't recognize this. Because what we do on most cases, and it's totally fine, it's so it's a great practice, it's a great routine, is you'll come up to the front and you take the bread and you dip it, or on Sunday mornings you take the bread and you take the cup. Uh, and there's just something a little bit about that practice that I want you guys to catch on to today, and we're going to do something a little different. And that's, so thinking about my story, thinking about the fact that I'm on this mountain and I can't really move, I can't really think, I, I wasn't able to get myself help. I wasn't able to help myself. I wasn't able to do anything for myself. But there were people there to do it for me, and that's a picture of what Jesus did for us. We weren't able to get ourselves out of the pit that we found ourselves in, but he stepped down into our situation and did it for us. And so today, when you guys come up here for communion, what I want you to do is I want you to come with your hands kind of in the cup, you know? So your hands are open, they're empty, and they're just open to receive. And the servers are going to take the bread and they're going to put it in your hands. Because when we... When we come to receive communion, there's something symbolic about doing this, that we're not going to take communion. We're not going to take it for ourselves. We're going to be given it. We're going to receive it. Just like we have to get to a point where we, we don't take anything from God that He gives for you. And so what you're going to do is there's going to be some music playing. You're going to come up. You're going to receive communion with open hands. You're going to take the bread and dip in the cup. And then you're going to go back and you're going to gather around people and this gathering is the Eucharist. You know, the Eucharist of the word means the, the act of being thankful. It's the, it's, um, the actual definition says the act of being grateful or feeling thankful. So it's not just saying thank you, it's the, the art of being those things, it's the art of feeling the thankfulness. So I want you to, to really focus on that. Try to, to, to if, you, if it doesn't just come naturally to you, then. You know, ask God for it. And I have that feeling of thankfulness that is so important in this routine. But also, you're going to be in groups. I want you to get together in groups of people who are around you. If you have a friend on the other side of the room, you can go to that uh, group or whatever. But I want you guys to gather in groups, and I want this to be a moment where you practice vulnerability and intimacy with those people. So whether it's you have a, a final coming up, or you have um, a bill that needs to be paid, or just whatever it is, you're, you're sick, be healing for something. I want you guys to share it, and I want you guys to pray with each other, uh, and then take communion together, because this is what God asks us to do. He asks, He wants us again to magnify Him in the big things, but then face to face with Him and with the people around us. So that's what we're going to do. So go ahead. Uh, there will be people who kind of point you in the right direction, and then there's gluten free on the other side of the projector if you need that. Um, but come and receive communion, like I said, with open hands. Uh, and, and do it as an act to say, God, I can't do anything for myself. But the magnificence, what I'm magnifying in this act, is that this huge God who's created everything, who put all of us into place, who created all of us, who put us into families, came down and gave to us what we couldn't take for ourselves. So uh, that's what we're going to do today.
close this weekend. That one is coming to the table. Okay, you can all stand. We'll go ahead and go through this step. You can be seated. I have a spiritual challenge for you, and then some announcements and official dismissal. Thank you, man, for meeting us. I was just, I was talking to the guys that I took communion with over here, so thankful for friends and family, community, and uh, what has happened here at this retreat, and the challenge, I just want to ask you, the question I want to ask you is in a spiritual sense, like what now? So, so many, I've been on lots of retreats, and I know that, that for me, uh, for many of you, this is a spiritual high with community, like there's no other time in the normal Christian life uh, that we live in, in this world of America, that like, would Getting together for a retreat like this, like God moves and acts and spiritual things happen and community happens and even things uh, that just seem fun, like tubing, like there's connections and fellowship made. And it's like, oh, now I know your story and we'll ask about you and how you're doing and pray for you. So my challenge for you is to consider how important that is to um, this week go into thinking about like, oh, the relationships that we've made here, the, the commitments we've made to God and things we perceive from God and the directions we have turned to God to worship Him. And so there's lots of things you can do. There's, uh, we left Friday night in Sunday school, and some of you said you were downtowners, and just knowing the importance of like, okay, what happened here was like this colossal thing, but it needs to continue on the community and then sharing in Christ. And so that's kind of a challenge for you. And then there's a challenge to go. We as believers, and I think especially Young people are in a place where we can serve the Lord on a, on a level where we can go, literally. Um, so, under your seats is <laughs> a little flyer that looks something like this. And we didn't have quite enough, so it's like every other or every four. It's, it's actually quite random. <laughs> Bosnia, Herzegovina, 
uh, conflict, we as Americans help the Macedonians, and so they're really open to Americans on, on the level of politics. Um, and it's a country that's, that's open, willing to hear from Americans. So we'd go and we would help local churches and local missionaries there. And uh, so there's all kinds of information on this. It's, it's, I'm really excited to announce this as like, this is a need in our world and we can go, we can fulfill some of these things. Um, and so the, the, there's a meeting next, next Sunday, the Sunday coming up, um, and it's uh, right after church in the missions office if you want more information. I'm going to be going on the trip. Victoria says she's going on the trip. And some of other, others of you have said, yeah, I think I really want to go. So if that's you, you're just thinking about going, or if you're more like, yeah, I really want to go, come to the meeting, get lots more information, and, um, and then you can go serve the Lord. Does that sound fun? Missions, I mean, when you're, like, I'm 36, right? <laughs> I was forgetting. Uh, going on missions and just travel, I can't do it like I used to. And, like, you're, you all, like, are at a time in your life where you should go, you should get out of the United States, you should bring the gospel to other places. It is something you, you might not think you can do, but trust me, you can. Like, once you get married, once you have kids, can't just dolly band and, and, and go like you could. Like your mission field is your house and your family, but now it's like you have this opportunity and you're like to go. So, go. Uh, let's see. I got a lot of people to thank just as uh, this retreat. My wife, I want to thank. Eric, she. So let's do those things, plus anything else that you can see 
then, then the camp could just, you know, we, there's a lot of us here, so we could do a lot within, you know, half hour, and the whole camp would take a week to do it's staff by four people. So, yeah. And finally, thank Victoria. We want to thank you. you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast more podcasts and information about the college and 20 somethings ministry at new life church in colorado springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward slash sunday school